Are you a mom launching kids into adulthood? If so, you need to know about my Empty Nest Mom Retreat. It is the gathering for moms who have at least one child over the age of 18 or who have launched them all and have a full empty nest. September 27th through the 29th are the dates, and Cedar Lake Retreat Center in Cedar Lake, Indiana is the place. You can fly into Chicago airports and drive to Cedar Lake in a little over an hour. Come join me. Best value registration is available through May 27th, and space is limited to just 100 moms, so don't delay. Check out jillsavage.org slash retreat to register today. But they're going to trust you more when you do own up to your mistakes and when you do say, I handled this incorrectly or I lost my temper because, you know, our kids, if we're trying to act like we're perfect and not acknowledging where we've gone wrong, then they don't, they stop trusting us because they see, they see our imperfections. You're listening to the No More Perfect Podcast, where we talk about strengthening the relationships that mean the most to you. I'm Jill Savage, and I live in normal Illinois. I'm committed to talking honestly about the messy, less than perfect, but normal stuff of life. I'm so glad you've joined me. Well, hello, friends, and welcome back to the No More Perfect Podcast. So today's conversation is for moms of daughters. But if you're a dad, please listen in because we may be using the context of talking about uh, a daughter's relationship with her mother. But honestly, the principles apply to a parent's relationship with her daughter. Now, raising a daughter in today's social media crazy world can be challenging. So as girls grow up, so must we as parents grow up as well. And what does it look like for us to grow up and to love our daughters well? How can we grow to be an emotionally safe place for our girls? How can we lead them well through the hormone-charged preteen and teen years? Joining me for this conversation is Carrie Kampakis. Carrie is an author, speaker, and podcaster from Birmingham, Alabama. She believes that mothers can love well by improving the foundation, habits, and dynamics of the relationship they have with their daughters. And I completely agree with her on that. Welcome to the No More Perfect Podcast, Carrie. Thanks for having me, Jill. Oh, my goodness. I am super excited about this because, you know, I was thinking about the fact that through my kids teen years, I feel like I did begin to grow up and I have grown even as they become adults. I've grown in the way that I relate to them. And what like when you make that statement of that, you know, in the same way that our girls grow up, our moms need to grow up. What does that mean for you personally? You know, I think what it means for me is to, I think we just need more inner strength as our, as our kids get up. And I did a podcast earlier and the the woman's, um, the podcaster's daughter is 12 years old. So she's just now starting to experience where her daughter's a little bit separating from her, becoming her own person. And she's like, this is totally normal. This, This woman's a counselor, but she, it does throw you off guard. And she's like, she's no longer my mini me. And it just took me back to that that first time I went through that with my oldest daughter. It just it, it brings a lot of insecurity because all of a sudden you're maybe not getting the affection 
and the warmth mm-hmm. and reciprocation back. And it's scary. And I think our, our instinct as moms is to want to cling and to kind of keep that relationship the way it was. And when we do that with teenagers, it just pushes them away. And that's why, why I wrote the book, because it was creating this big gulf between me and my daughter. And so I realized I was like, I've got to find a different way or else I'm going to lose my connection with her. And so I think there is a way to let them grow up, let them have their space and be there for them to love them and also be their parent, but keep that connection. And I think it takes a lot of soul searching for us as moms and um, strength, really, like I said, that inner strength to be able to do it. And now that my fourth daughter is going through that transition, I'm not so scared by it. She's doing all the normal things, but I've been through it three times already. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, I know it's going to be okay. And our relationship is changing, but it can still change in a positive way. Yeah. And I think what you said there, you know, she's no longer a mini me. And Mm -hmm. boy, for us to recognize that is really important. And because if we don't, then we're trying to almost like push a square peg into a round hole. Like we're not letting them be true to how God made them. Yes. Yes. And I read this one time that moms, I don't think we do it intentionally, but we tend to look at our daughters or try to make our daughters a perfected version of ourselves. And when I read that, I was like, Ooh, I have been so guilty of that unconsciously. And and, Mm -hmm. when we do that, we're not recognizing their God given talents or their, their gifts, their personality that may be very different from our personality. Yeah. You know, you said earlier, I think that, you know, that we need to do some soul searching. And one of the things that as our kids get older, I think that it can sometimes reveal the places that we need to grow in, the places maybe we have an unhealthy perspective, um, and particularly as it relates to rejection. I think if, if we are prone to feeling and seeing things through the lens of rejection, then It will feel like when our daughter is beginning to separate and grow into independence, it'll feel like rejection to us. It's not, but it will feel like that. And if we view it that way, then we really run the risk of alienating our daughter, don't we? Yes. Oh, that's so good. Yes. And I think that's what makes us so prone to say, oh, I just missed the days when they were little. And we just treat childhood as the peak days of parenting, which there is something so magical about childhood. But I think there's still something magical about watching them grow up and being part of their life as they grow up. But you're so right. If we're looking at it as rejection rather than this is the way it's supposed to be and this is healthy, then it's totally going to change the way that we respond back to them. Mm-hmm. Remind me of the title of your book. It's How to Love Her Well. What's yes, the subtitle? The, and the subtitle is 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. I love that. How to Love Her Well and 10 Ways to Find Joy and Connection with Your Teenage Daughter. And let's be honest, sometimes the teen years are filled with a lot of angst. Right. Um, their <laughs> hormones are going crazy. They're trying to navigate this world that suddenly um, it's very different than the world you and I grew up in, where we didn't have everybody's life being spread over social media. Um, people weren't comparing their insides to other people's outsides, which is what we have also on social media. Um, and so uh, it it is. It's a challenge at times to make that connection. But I think our goal is connection. And 
I, I remember when I wrote No More Perfect Kids, one of the things we talked about is that uh, oftentimes as parents, our relationship becomes about correction instead of connection. And boy, yes. you get to the teen years and it's <laughs> like, oh, you have lots of opportunity for correction. <laughs> right, right. Right. But really our goal needs to be connection because then when you do need to correct, it makes it makes that much more effective. So let's really dig in and talk about some really practical ways uh, that we can connect with our teen daughters. And I would even say, in my case, I have I have a granddaughter. In fact, the day that we are recording this today, she turned twelve. So I feel like I'm starting to go through this again, wanting to connect now with my preteen granddaughter. So let's talk about some real specific ways, Carrie, uh, that you have found make a big difference. Yes. Well, you know, I think the the good starting point is what you talked about, the rejection. Just I hate to say expect rejection, but don't let rejection stop you. Because I think what we have to realize as parents is it's our job to initiate. Our teenagers are growing up. Sometimes they may want to spend time with us. Sometimes they may not. But I see a lot of relationships start to sever when the parent gives up. Well, I've I've asked him to do this two or three times and he doesn't want to. And so the parent stops doing it. And the fact is, and remember ourselves as teenagers, I was not thinking about my parents. I wasn't thinking, look, oh, I wish I was closer with my mother. You know, I, I was thinking about myself and my own life. And so I think as parents, we've got to realize that we're the adult. We have got to invite them. Do you want to go to dinner tonight? Do you want to go on a walk? You know, we might get five no's, five rejections, but to keep loving them and keep pursuing them. And eventually they're going to say yes. But I think it's so important for them to know that we just want to spend time with them. And it's not always about correction and, you know, making them a perfect version of ourselves. But it's just about we want to get to know you. You know, I want to still enjoy you while you're under my roof before you leave home. And so um, but that takes a lot of courage and it really is an act of bravery. And I think that's a skill we don't really have to have when our kids are little and they're clinging to us and we can't get a break because they always want to be with us. But right. really making that change. Um, and to do that, I think we've got to have our adult relationships. Those become more important. I've, I've realized if my kids are not making me feel good or if I'm feeling rejection there, I've got to have love in my life, whether it's from my husband or my friends or other people who are building me up. Because the more loved I feel in that area of life, it equips me to turn around and be strong for my kids, regardless of how they're treating me today. Mm-hmm. You're right. Because oftentimes we're almost trying to feel or fill a unconscious hole right. in, inside of us with right. our kids. And that is, that's really a dangerous place to be because it skews the parent-child relationship. Yes. And I talk to so many people, even grown adults, and, you know, you all hear the, the A to Z stories of girls and their mother's relationship. But I think that and when, you, when we put too much pressure on our kids, when we're looking at them, when we're, we're finding our identity in them, or our worth in them, or all of our joy in them, and if they don't show up, then we can't be happy, then that's a, that's a pressure no child wants to carry. And it's going to not make them want to come home or want to talk to us. And so we've got to be aware of these things as moms, like, okay, what might I be doing that's helping or not helping the situation? Yes, And it's hard. I think it takes a lot of humility and swallowing of pride. And, and that was probably one of my biggest lessons just as my girls became teenagers was, okay, I'm not always the expert. I'm, I'm not always right. And I thought I had to be this perfect role model and I wasn't, and um, I wasn't admitting my mistakes. And I think that's another way to connect with our teenagers. And it's very 
countercultural thinking, especially when you're a mom, you think, well, I'm her role model. I don't want to admit that I'm wrong, but they're going to trust you more when you do own up to your mistakes or when you do say, Mm -hmm. I handled this incorrectly or I lost my temper because, you know, our kids, if we're trying to act like we're perfect and not acknowledging where we've gone wrong, then they don't, they stop trusting us because they see, they see our imperfections, they see our flaws and it's going to create a bigger gulf. And that's what happened with me and my daughter. And while we were having a lot of issues because I was blaming all of our problems and tensions on her and, you know, granted she was acting like a salty teenager, but she was really reacting to what I was doing as a mother. And um, it really took a rock bottom crying on my closet floor moment for me just to acknowledge that I was part of the problem and I needed to change my approach and really have some humility. But the thing about teenagers is they're so forgiving and I mean, sometimes more forgiving than adults. And when we do own up to something or say, you know, I handled that incorrectly, or even five years ago in that, that season of life, I wish I'd done that differently. Like I've seen my kids eyes like, wow, I can't believe she just owned up to that or admitted that. And I think that can do wonders for a relationship and just helping it move forward. Hmm. I agree. Well, and you just said something just a little bit ago. Uh, you said, you know, they might say no to a walk seven, eight times, and then suddenly they say yes. And one of the things that I think, and this is a place we have to own our, we have to have some self-control and we have to own what we bring to the table is if we make that walk about a, about correction, Yes. Or, you know, a lecture rather than listening, then they're going to be unlikely to want to say yes to a walk in the future. Like right. we have to make their <laughs> we have to make the interactions with us safe, especially when we're doing them for the point of connection. Yes. Oh, that's so true. And and that goes back to I've learned this too with my kids that when they were little, if I was giving correction or giving a life lesson. I could give a long-winded story and they would listen. And as they got older, I realized I have about 30 seconds, you know, and if I do too many life lessons at once or within a few days, then they just tune out. And so I think that you're completely right. We've got to treat it like a real relationship and building that friendship with them so that we have that relationship in place. When we do have a life lesson, we want to stick in there, that that's kind of something we're adding in rather than every conversation with us is a life lesson or correction or something like that, because that will make them tune out and want to go listen to somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yes, I completely agree. So one of the things you say, one way that we can better connect with our teenage daughters is to choose our words and our timing carefully. So we just kind of gave an example of that, but the, let's dig into that just a little bit more. What What are some of the ways that we can practically do that? Yes. Well, and I think as moms, I think, and I I feel like a lot of moms relate to this, that sometimes I've got all these thoughts in my head and I feel like if I'm having this thought right now, I've got to tell it to my child, you know, right now or I'll forget it. And sometimes we don't think about the timing of when we're doing something or the way that we're doing something. And sometimes we're very tactful in how we talk to other people, but we get with our family and we lose the filter or we just say something really bluntly or directly, or maybe that's how our family did it growing up. And you start doing it with your children and it, it might push them away. But um, that chapter is number one in my book. And that's probably the number one story that moms relate to. They say, oh, I saw myself in that chapter. And I start that chapter with the story of my daughter and I are in the car and we're having this great day, this great conversation. It's just one of those car rides you don't want to end. We're mm-hmm. singing to the radio. It's been awesome. We park in the, gr- the driveway and I look over and the sun is shining on her face and I notice her acne is back. 
you know, her face is kind of flared up in red. Mm. So the mom and me instinctively, I want to say something like I want to say, are you using your acne medication? But something stopped me because I had done that a few months ago. And as soon as I did that, her face fell and she said, yes, I'm using it. But my, I know my face looks terrible. So it was one of those seasons we were trying different creams. We were experimenting. Nothing was working. I know my daughter. She is responsible. She wanted that acne to be gone. She was taking her medication, using her creams faithfully. And so I realized, I was like, if I say this right now, it's totally going to undo the conversation and the good time that we just had. And this will be what she remembers from the car ride is mom hurting yep. my feelings. <laughs> so I just held my tongue. And when she got out of the car and she was happy, I'm like, I made the right choice. And, you know, sometimes there's a time to have that conversation, but it could have been later that night or another time when she was in her bathroom and I came in there and we could talk about her creams. But that was something that a lot of moms relate to because we're just trying to do our job. We're busy. We're juggling things. Sometimes we we just say things because it's convenient, but it's not always the best timing with our teenager. Yeah. Convenient, but not wise. Yes. And so we want wise. <laughs> and sometimes um, we have to do it unwisely to understand that, okay, that, that was not very smart. That, that didn't time. work. Yeah. That didn't work. Yeah. Well, and you know, my most recent book is Empty Nest Full Life. And one of the things I talk about in Empty Nest Full Life is that, you know, once your kids are, are adults, you belong to the Keep It Shut Club. And honestly, the teen years are a practice for that in many ways. I would say that we probably need to speak half the words that we think about speaking, if not even 75% less, because so many of our comments aren't really helpful to our kids. And so we're beginning to learn. And, and in essence, that's exactly what you did. You kept it shut that day. And mm -hmm. it made a difference because you kept the connection with your daughter. It's a beautiful example. Yes. Oh, I, I love that too. And I think that's so true. And I do think that, you know, what we're doing in the teenage years, it's everybody talks about just surviving the teenage years, just get through them. But the way I see it, I'm like, you're setting the stage for that long-term relationship when they are young adults. And so those dynamics we form in those final years are probably what's going to carry over into the next the next season, the next 10 or 15 years. And so I do think that's the time to start setting the foundation of like, okay, how do I want to do this? You know, how can I think carefully through mm -hmm. my words? Like you said, I agree, not not saying every thought that comes to mind. And, and I feel like I do this and a lot of moms do this, that especially when they start turning 15 or 16, it's like you got this ticking clock in your head and it's like this yes. countdown clock. And I think, oh. I have to teach her every single life lesson before she's 18, before she leaves home. And when we operate with that mindset, it can really make us panic as moms and just try to overload them with all these lessons and corrections. And it can really hurt the relationship. But yeah. it's so tempting to do that because I've been there myself and I have to hold back so often. Yeah. And I think that our listening skills also, that's a place of growth for moms is being able to listen and empathize because I think we want to often... Uh, fix situations. I mean, it's just natural as a mother. Right. I want to fix things for my daughter. I want to do that for my kids in general. Um, but how do we more intentionally listen and empathize? Yes. Oh, I think that's a great question. What has helped me, and it really probably helped me when I had to write two books for teenage girls years ago, I had that opportunity. And I remember the first time I turned into manuscript, my editor was like, I had like a chapter and she was like, this is a good start, but you sound like a mom. And she said, if you sound like a mom, the girls are going to tune out. So 
write it more from the perspective of a big sister and channel your teenage self. You know, go remember yourself as a teenager. And so I thought, well, that's easy. I loved being a teenager. But I found as I was writing and really digging back into my past and remembering myself at that age, I was like, oh, well, it wasn't always so joyful. You know, I tend to remember the good parts, but I remember, you know, sitting by the phone waiting for a boy to call or being hurt by a friend. Like I was remembering some really low and sad moments. And as I did that, it really gave me a heart for teenage girls and for my children. And it just made Mm -hmm. me remember how hard that season was for me. And then it's even compounded by what they're doing now. So I think just really trying to put ourselves in their shoes and, and just like you said, like listening, you know, trying to empathize. And sometimes, you know, a lot of times when they're acting salty or they're acting out or they're being rude to us, I'm not saying we shouldn't correct that behavior, but a lot of times when our teenagers are doing that, it's because they're upset by something that happened at school or something, a friend that hurt their feelings and they, they're taking it out on us or they're short with us. And we're just getting the receiving end of something that we don't know about. And yes. so if we can just be gentle and not dish it back like we're tempted to do, you know, it might bring them out of their shell and enable them to open up and share what's going on. Yes, because so often, I think, especially in the teen years, we want to kind of almost lash out at the attitude or yes. the words. And so then we end up addressing the symptom instead of the root. Right. Right. Yes. And I can remember one time when my son was a teenager um, and he was so moody, I mean, super moody. And I used, I had a list of feelings that we literally, I had copies of. And I, I walked in his room and said, I just want you to circle what you're feeling right now. And I said, just throw this out, out the door. When you're done, just put it outside your door when it, when you're done. And you know, he did. He circled. I picked it up. He had circled overwhelmed. And I was like, okay, now we can get to the heart of what's going on. And right. I remember, you know, knocking on the door and saying, okay, so let's talk about what are you overwhelmed about? And he was overwhelmed with making a decision for college. It was um, the beginning of his senior year. And, you know, he just, he had several things at school going on and he was just overwhelmed. So I almost chased the attitude and missed the opportunity to get to the heart of it. Yes. I think that is what, especially with our girls, because our girls can be so emotional Mm -hmm. and we can get tugged into that emotion and miss out on the opportunity to get to the heart of it. Exactly. Exactly. And that was one of the biggest mistakes I'd made with my daughters was I was mirroring their reactions. So if they got if they got prickly with me, I, I'm getting prickly with them. And and I think it's also that stereotype that we go into parenting with. I mean, I could see this having four daughters. It's like all I would hear when they were babies, like, oh, they're so precious. Just enjoy them while they're little because you are in for it when they are teenagers. You know, mm-hmm. teenage girls are the worst. And so I just, I, I, at first I thought those people are just Debbie Downers. My girls won't be like that. I ignored that narrative. But then as my daughters got older and they started having the hormones and some of the attitudes of the teenage years, which I'm not saying those don't need correction. We've got to teach our children to be respectful to us and others. But mm-hmm. when they started doing that, my attitude was like, oh, those people were right. I'm going to put these girls in their place. I'm going to show them who's the boss and I am not going to let them walk all over me. And that's what started a lot of the friction and gulf and really changed the relationship with my daughter in a negative way. And she was in middle school. So I'm like, that's why I was crying to my husband one night. I'm like, 
what am I supposed to do? How do I parent her and love her too? This is the mm-hmm. season of life that I care most about having a relationship and yet I'm ruining it. I'm doing something wrong. And I think that's the crossroads where a lot of parents find themselves is that, you know, you see all these things you want to correct, but yet, you know, you're pushing them away or doing something that's making them not listen to you. And mm-hmm. so our, our children are not going to be the ones to initiate that restoration. And so it's really up to us as parents to dig deep and or to pray or, to you know, to find uh, good friends, some wisdom from other people, people that can help us that are ahead of us, maybe, and telling us what to do. Um, with my daughter, you know, one thing that was so helpful to me, I, I saw a friend at the gym that day when we'd had a big fight. And I'm like, what do you do when you fight with your daughter? And she's like, oh, it happens all the time. And she goes, you got to circle back around, you know, always go back. Don't just let this, the don't just let it die down because it doesn't die down. Mm. And that was, that was life changing for That's me. Wise. Because, yeah. Yes. You know, and I think you look at your back, your upbringing. I had a great family growing up, but we had five kids in our family. I was number four. You learn to be kind of scrappy when you're in a big family. My sisters and I would get in a fight and we just didn't apologize. We just didn't talk for three days. And when we started talking again, the fight was over, supposedly. And mm-hmm. so I brought that into my parenting and I didn't know how to apologize. And it really started creating these problems with my children. So that was a skill I had to learn as an adult that I probably should have learned a long time ago. But again, it takes some soul searching to be able to do that. And so when I went back to apologize to my daughter after that fight, circle back around and then I asked her, you know, is there, I, I don't like this gulf between us. Is there anything I'm doing that's causing it? You know, and it was the pride in me was thinking, oh, she'll say, no, mom, you're perfect. And, but she was like, um, actually, yes, you know, you're just being more critical of me lately and just these higher expectations. And it felt like a punch in the gut. But then I started thinking about it and I realized that she was right. I'd been more critical of myself during that period and I was putting it on mm. her. And so I think as parents, we got to realize, and I share that in the book because I want parents to know they're not alone and we all make mistakes, but I'm so glad I knew this when she was 13 versus this ruin in our relationship and me finding out at age when she was 40 or 50 and her carrying Mm -hmm. this resentment and us building that dynamic from a negative standpoint. So it's worth taking that punch in the gut. It's worth taking that little, that little dagger in the heart to maybe think, okay, and it might not be a huge shift we have to make as a parent. Sometimes it's a little pivot we can make that can really make a difference in the relationship. Mm -hmm. Well, and the apologizing, I love that wisdom that your friend said, always circle back around. That apologizing can also be, you're serving as a role model for her for what you do to resolve hurt in a relationship. Yes, And so that'll make a difference for her and in in future relationships because she did see that modeled. And, you know, my husband and I do a lot of marriage ministry. And so we work with couples and a lot of times they don't have, they don't resolve conflict. Like the conflict just drops off. They just kind of like what you were saying, (laughs) you know, we just let it die out. Well, the problem is when it dies out, it doesn't die in our heart. Right. It hurts. Exactly. It 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 pools in our heart, and then it we keep adding to that pool, and then that grows bitterness and resentment, and we don't want that in any relationship. Right. And I remember one, learning one time in psychology in college that they said when you're in a certain state of mind, you remember other times you were in that state of mind. So when you're really happy, you remember other times you were happy. But I think when somebody's hurt you you remember every other time they have hurt you. 
And so mm-hmm. I think that the problem when we don't deal with those little, those little wounds, it might not seem like a big deal at the time. I'm just going to forget it. I won't say anything. It's just, it's not, you know, I don't know how to, I don't know how to address this. I'm a, I'm a peacekeeper, but it's still there. And so the next time something happens, you're just going to add that to the catalog. And like you said, it just turns into bitterness and resentment. And then all of a sudden one day you have this hardness in your heart towards somebody over little things that really could have been resolved along the way. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So this kind of leads into a- another principle that you talk about is being an emotional coach, How, being your daughter's emotional coach. What do you mean by that? Yes, I basically mean, and again, this was a lesson learned the hard way that when my daughter started having some big emotions, like I said, she was lashing out, I'd lash out. I was mirroring her reactions. And then I realized, okay, I've got to be the adult. And I had a a psychologist told me that he was like, you know, that a teenager's emotions, the brain, the part of your brain that controls your emotions is behind and interprets your emotions is behind the emotions themselves. And so I realized that's why I think they feel so frustrated, especially at that 12, 13 year old age. They're having these big thoughts, big emotions. And sometimes they don't even know, I don't know why I'm mad. I don't know why I'm sad. And so I think that's Mm -hmm. part of the frustration for them is that they can't even interpret what they're feeling. And so I think if we moms can kind of understand it and not take it personally and not take it personally when they're lashing out and try to stay calm, which is so hard, then we can kind of help diffuse the situation and even interpret those emotions for them. There was a, mm-hmm. there was a psychologist and she said, teenagers tend to have the right, ro- the right emotions on the wrong scale. And as moms, it's really frightful, mm-hmm. especially if they're sad. If my kids are sad, I want to like, I don't want to see them cry. Like I'm trying to fix it or give them a pep talk. And one time my daughter was crying and she was upset and, and she was like, I'm allowed to be upset for five minutes over stupid stuff. And cause mm-hmm. I was trying to, I was trying to help her get through it. And I'm like, you're right. It's like, and I thought it's just making me uncomfortable to see you sad. And that's why I'm trying to rush you through your emotions. And so it just, again, we've got to mature ourselves as parents to be able to coach them well through those moments and to be able to handle their emotions and seeing their hard emotions and not making, letting it affect our emotions too. Yeah. One of the most powerful connecting opportunities in a relationship is bringing comfort to someone. And when we bring, when we like, comfort someone, but offer a platitude with it. It's not really true comfort. Comfort is sitting in pain with them. And that's Mm. exactly what your daughter was saying. You know, when we, when they don't make the basketball team that they tried out for and we go, Oh, I'm so sorry, but Hey, next year you got next year. It's like we jump, we, we rush to the fix instead of staying in the feel. Right. And our girls need us to stay in the field for a while. Then we earn the right to help them with the fix. Yes, it's so true. And I I recently heard something that has helped me. It's it's an analogy. And I thought this is so good for moms of girls, especially. But I think it's called the circle of security in psychology. But basically, it says that as parents, we should be the kinder, stronger, wiser one. And so that's our job is to be kinder, stronger, and wiser than our children. And so if your daughter's about to go get on the emotional roller coaster, you know, what you're thinking is, okay, I'm not going to get on that roller coaster with you, but I'm going to be standing here on the platform with my arms wide open when you're ready to get off of it. And I think Mm -hmm. that's what our teenagers crave. And that's the kind of mom I want to be, but I'm not because Mm -hmm. I can get very anxious and emotional myself. But that's what I'm working toward is to be able to offer that kind of comfort and that stability even when their emotions feel out of control. 
Right. And that's really loving her where she is and as she is, which I think is hard because I think too often we want to change where she is or we want to change as she is, don't we? Yes. Yes. And I think too, as mothers, and you can tell me what you think on this. I think sometimes when we see them sad or uncomfortable, we're blaming ourselves. Like, what did I do wrong? Or we're making their issue about us. And I've, I've done that before. And I'm like, I've just totally taken the focus off her and helping her. And I'm making this about myself. And so I've had to just do a gut check a lot of times like, okay, quit doing that. This is not about you. This is about you helping her and understanding what she's going through. Yeah. I know I say, I say in my, uh, I think it was in the No More Perfect Kids book um, that the minute we make their behavior about us is the minute we become an ineffective parent. Yes. Yes. It really is. And we've we've changed the focus and now it's about us and, um, and then we're just not nearly as effective at leading them in those moments. Right. Yes. Yes. And so uh, let's talk a little bit about um, before we bring this to a close, let's talk a little bit about leading our girls in the journey of faith, Um, because, you know, this is a season where they're trying to figure that out. At some point, you want them to move from piggybacking on your faith to it being their own faith. Uh, But what are some strategies that you have found that make a difference in uh, leading them on that journey of faith? You know, I think that one thing that we can do as parents is just to realize that the teenage years, everything is changing for our kids. And just to, you know, their thoughts are changing, their bodies are changing, their friends are changing. There's so much uncertainty and instability. They might make the team, they might not make the team. But, you know, we can look at that in a negative way. But the, the upside is it's really a great opportunity for them to grow in faith because we can mm-hmm. offer them something like, hey, you know, here is something that is never going to change for you. This is a God who made you, who created you for a purpose. He has a good plan for you and your future, no matter what happens. And so just really giving them that stability. And and I tell parents, and it's so hard, and I can say this now that I have older children, but it takes those heartaches for their faith to really sink in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I can sit there and tell them all day long, your worth is not, your identity is not in a uniform, but they don't really buy it until because you can lose that uniform overnight your identity is in Christ and they don't really understand it until they don't make the team or something happens and they can't be part of that, that club. And all of a sudden they don't have that identity anymore. That was so important to them, but they still have their identity in Christ. And so you realize like, you'll still be standing. If you find your identity in him, then you're yeah. going to be standing no matter what happens to you in life. You know, I think teenagers also make the mistake of, you know, especially girls, they put their friends on a pedestal or they put a boy on a pedestal, mm-hmm. make a false idol of that. And, you know, you try to tell them a boy can break up with you overnight. You know, your friends can turn on you overnight. Just people can disappoint you. We're all we're all imperfect. We all sin in different ways, but they don't really believe you until it happens. And so I think just kind of, you know, gently pointing them back to their faith and just saying, here, here's something that can always comfort you. Um, you have a perfect friend in Jesus and just you know, like we know too, just modeling, modeling faith in our lives. And I really think that our faith is best played out as parents by our response to a situation and Mm -hmm. and really, you know, say something doesn't go well in their life. They don't get into the college that they want or they don't make the team. If we freak out and if we act like their future is over because of this one event, 
because we're not trusting God with a bigger picture, then they're not going to be able to develop that deeper faith because yeah. you know they're looking at earthly circumstances to judge their future and they're not trusting God to to work all things together for good. But if we can yes. sit with them and be sad, but say, okay, you know, I know I'm not worried about you. You're going to be okay. God has a plan for you, but this stinks and I'm so sorry. And, you know, I'll help you however you need during this trial. I yeah. think that they're just a lot more equipped to get through it successfully. Hmm. Yes, absolutely. You know, it was funny the other day. Well, this was about two months ago. I was helping my granddaughter and um, I was helping her with her math homework and she struggles with math. Oh, my goodness. Mm-hmm. And it was a difficult evening. And I said to her, finally, I said, Rylan, you can do all math through Christ who gives you strength. <laughs> like, (laughs) that's not the Bible verse. And I said, I know, but it is the way that we apply the Bible verse. You can do all math through Christ who gives you strength. And she was staying with me for a few days and every night we would do the math and she'd get frustrated. And then I'd say, okay, what do do you need to tell yourself right now? So anyway, she was just here the other day and she said, Nana, guess what? And I said, what? And she said, I was taking a test and I was really struggling with the test. And it wasn't even about math. It was in another subject. And all of a sudden I was like, I can do all tests through Christ who gives me strength. (laughs) That is awesome. (laughs) And I was like, yes, Rylan. Yes. I'm stealing that. that. That's so good. That is so good. You can apply that to anything. (laughs) You can. You totally can. But I mean, you know, it's equipping our kids with truth that they can then, you know, I mean, really what we want is transferable truth, right? And that's exactly what uh, that is. And that's the beauty of when we connect them uh, to God's word as well. So I love that. Uh, And I think that goes back to, you know, I have one daughter, math is so hard for her, and then a few that it's easier for them. And it goes back to this is another opportunity for faith, like God created each one of you so differently. And yes. that's why we're we're built for community because we all have different strengths. And I'm like, look at your aunts. You know, I'm a terrible cook, but your aunts are a great cook or this aunt's a great designer. This aunt's a great teacher. We all have different gifts. And like, just because you're not excelling and nobody in real life is going to excel in eight subjects in a job, you know, like it's okay if you're not knocking it out in every one of your classes, you just do your best and know that, you know, you still can have a very successful, great life, even if you're not a straight A student in every class. But um, yes. I think it's so important for our kids to hear that because they are expected to be a superstar in everything they attempt. And it's so unfair because they have different giftings and different callings. And our world does not really allow for that or tell them yeah. that it's it's OK. Your future is not ruined because you're struggling in math or you're struggling in biology or something like that. Right. Yes. They need they need us to provide that perspective for them. Yeah, Absolutely. Well, Carrie, this has been a great conversation. Thank you so much. And I'd love for you to share where people can find you online. I know I found you on Instagram. Uh, I start. I don't even remember. I, I Somebody must have shared a story or something. And I discovered you. And then I started sending so many of your posts to my daughter, who is Aww. the mother of the <laughs> now 12-year-old. And uh, she's like, Mom, her stuff is so good. So that's when I knew I really wanted to invite you onto the podcast. But uh, where can people find you and connect with you online? 
Okay. Well, thank you. And I love your work too. I think it's so important, especially the perspective you provide for the empty nester years. It's, it gives me hope for that next season, but um, <laughs> it does. And I think that's such a positive perspective. It's how we need to approach it. But I'm, I'm most active on Instagram and then also Facebook at Carrie Kempakis and then Carrie Kempakis Writer on Facebook. I have the Girl Mom podcast, which I'm kind of, I'm not always, uh, not always consistent in posting there, but try to publish when I can. And then um, I have my books on Amazon and also am on, um, I have a blog, a website where I still share some articles at carriekempakis.com. Gotcha. And the title of this book uh, is Love Her Well. And then you have a a new book out um, specifically for moms. What's that book? It's called More Than a Mom, How Prioritizing Your Wellness Helps You and Your Family Thrive. Mm. So give us just uh, the elevator uh, pitch of that book. What, What is that about? That book is basically about getting yourself in a good place as a mom to be a more effective parent, about looking at those issues that might hold you back, whether it's negative self-talk or body image issues or living in despair instead of hope, um, not knowing your worth, just really working on those issues that internally can hold us back as moms so that we can be more effective parents. Oh, I love that. I love that. So I'll include all of those links in our show notes. So if you're listening, um, you can just go to the show notes and uh, link over to connect with Carrie online. So Carrie, would you be willing to pray for our listeners as we bring this to a close? Yes, I would love to. Dear Father, thank you so much for Jill. Thank you for this podcast, for this platform, and for her listeners. And God, you know the heart of every woman and every man who's listening. We just ask that you just use this message to speak directly and uniquely to them. We just praise you for the gift of parenthood and for motherhood and for our teenage daughters and our teenage Mm -hmm. sons. And we just ask that you just equip everyone who's listening, just Fill us all with your truth, your light, your Holy Spirit, and your wisdom. Help us to find community with like-minded moms and women and spiritual mentors and leaders who can help us grow in our journey personally and our journey as we're leading these children so that we can be the parents and the mothers you created us to be. God, I ask that you just come into the homes of every listener and just come into their hearts and just strengthen their relationships and to work all things together for good and to really be with those mothers who are struggling with their teenagers and struggling for help or going through a crisis to give them hope and to keep them faithful and praying and to know that their prayers are heard and to answer those prayers and to um, surround them with love as they're waiting for their teenager to maybe get through a challenge and to help them be able to help their teenagers. Mm-hmm. We just praise you for all your goodness. We praise you for this opportunity to talk about you publicly and to just be able to share our faith with other mothers. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for joining me today on the No More Perfect Podcast. If you haven't already, make sure you subscribe and follow so you don't miss any future conversations. You can find the show notes and links to anything we talked about over on jillsavage.org slash podcast. I hang out on Facebook and Instagram and would love to connect with you there. You can find me under the name jillsavage.author. One more thing, we have three free ebooks that we'd love to give you. You can find them at jillsavage.org slash free. See you next week where we'll have another conversation about the real stuff of life and relationships.